we're live. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the Hughes Sports Podcast. And after some technical difficulties, we are live. We look a little bit different. It's fine. We figured it out. Across from me, as always, is the old man. How the hell are you, sir? I am just grand. Of course, we have to have these technical difficulties always. tonight. Always. Always the, the, one of our some of our biggest nights, you have to have technical difficulties. Exactly. Too funny. So tonight we have a special guest, folks. Um, I'm going to fix my camera a little bit. Um, we have joining us tonight, Mr. Rod Peterson. You've heard me talk about him quite often on our podcast. Uh, Rod Peterson from the Rod Peterson Show. Um, I'm going to just bring him in and um, then I will... Continue to talk. Continue to talk. Sorry, I'm trying to do 10 things at once because Jake's not capable. I am capable. <laughs> there we go. Mr. Rod Peterson, how are you? Doing well, gentlemen. How are you? I'm just going to share this. Awesome. If I can share this. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you're just going crazy right now. So we definitely appreciate you coming on. For the folks that don't know Rod Peterson, Rod Peterson has been in the broad sports broadcasting business for how long now, Rod? I was going to say 40 years, but that would be pushing it, wouldn't it? Uh, 34 years. 34. So you started as a young fella. I was 16 years of age. And what did yep. what was your first job? What, like, where did you start? Like, how did you get into this? <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm kind of a media nerd overall. I started writing... For my little town newspaper in Milestone, Saskatchewan, I, when I think I was in grade 10. Oh, cool. 16, and then I started writing for the Weyburn newspaper. And then I, then I went to the radio station in Weyburn, which was the nearest city to us. And I beat on the door when I was in grade 11 and said, give me a job. And they said, what do you want to do? I said, anything. And I started as a DJ. And then uh, they threw me into calling hockey games, senior hockey games. And my dad built me a press box in the old rink in our little town of 600 people. Very Milestone, good. Saskatchewan. So since I was 16 and I just turned 50, so <clears throat> don't make me feel old, but I've been broadcasting in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and now the 2020s. That's five decades. Jake, that's longer than I, you've been alive. That is Far longer long. than I've been alive. <laughs> Far longer than Jake's been alive, yeah. So you, I mean... Hockey is your is your number one sport. That is your I'll call that's your passion. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I come from a hockey family. There, I figured out how to share it, guys. Oh, good. So maybe we'll yeah. So that's going to all my friends. Uh, my dad worked in the NHL. Did I ever tell you that? My dad worked in the NHL. Well, you've told me, but you've, I probably haven't told the the audience that yet. Yeah, for twenty six years he was a scout with first the Minnesota North Stars and then and then the Dallas Stars. Nice. And uh, there was three boys in the family. I was the youngest, and we all played hockey and um, worked in sports. Played hockey, so hockey is our sport. And hey, I grew up. I see the Lions. Uh, flag behind you. I grew up as a Ryder fan, but in our little town, we never had football. So, well, yeah. I mean, I was like a lot of fans, irrational fans, just going to games <laughs> and not knowing anything of what was going on on the turf. But when I became the voice of the Riders in '99, I uh, I learned the game to the degree that the football people thought I was a football person. So I was I was happy of that. It was amazing. I've known Rod now just under a year, about nine months. And um, 
when he told me that he didn't know the first thing about football, really, when he started as a voice of the riders, I kind of chuckled to myself because you did it, what, 23 years? You were the voice of the... 20 years. 20 years? You were the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, but I'm going to take you back. Before you were the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you uh, called hockey games in the WHL, did you not? Yeah, I became the voice of the PA Raiders, Prince Albert Raiders, when I was 20. Youngest ever voice in the WHL. Oh, very cool. And then I had a goal of being in Regina, which was basically my hometown by the time I was 22. And I did that, became voice of the Regina Pats. And I wanted to be in the NHL by the time I was 25. And that didn't happen, but I got into the CFL at 26. That's, so I mean, that's the next best thing, right? Yeah, yeah in Canada, it sure the heck is. For Jake and I... Um... I grew up, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Rod, but I grew up, um, in, as you know, in Vancouver. And as a kid, when I'm talking to a kid, I'm talking like 10 to probably, when we moved out of Vancouver, so probably 15, I listened to talk radio, CKNW, CJOR. Rafe Mayer was the man. He was, he was the voice. Um, so talk shows have always been a fascinating to me. And I think I passed that along to you, did I not, Jake? Oh, yeah. Oh, to Jake, I would, yes. Sir. I would definitely, uh, I think so, because I grew up like listening to uh, Shorthouse and on the radio um, before he even became the TV voice, um, and then also Peter Marr and, and moving on that way. So, um, something I always used to fall asleep to. Um, talk radio. <laughs> when he was supposed to be in bed sleeping, he had the radio on. Didn't we <laughs> all? Keep, exactly. Had to keep had to keep up with the score somehow. I didn't have TV in my room. No, you didn't. That was one thing we didn't allow you to do. It's true. So, Rod, um, how did you end up, a uh, hockey guy, how did you end up um, being the voice, ending up being the voice for the riders? It's a story that I don't think um, rider fans know, and those that do know, I don't think they like it. Um, <laughs> because my goal was to be in the NHL, um, Jeff Courier was the voice of the Rough Riders for 12 seasons before me and a very hallowed, there's a lot of people that feel he's the best Rough Rider voice ever. And I would agree. He left in 97 to go to Winnipeg, CJOB. So my boss is at the radio station in Regina said, you're going to be the voice of the Riders. And I'm like, eh, it might derail my goal of going to the NHL. And I went to the Pats and talked to the owners and they didn't want me to do it. Right. Um, so I turned it down. So they hired one guy for the 1998 season. He didn't work out. So they came back to me in 1999 and said, you don't have a choice. You're, You're doing it. The riders. <laughs> nice. and, and it's not like, I w- not like I was against it. Believe me, I wasn't. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And to, the CFL then compared to the CFL now was a different thing. The ratings were as high in Canada as the NHL. The, the oh, stadiums yeah. were full. It was a really big deal. Well, um, that must, so be, what year was that? 97? 99. 99. So that would so have been be, back in the yeah. days when would you come to BC and there'd be 50,000 plus in that dome. And for years, like it was right. Like it was a yes. big deal. And Jay Paul McConnell was the voice oh. of the BC lions. Did you know Jay Paul? Were you like, were you guys? Too well. <laughs> too, too well. Too well. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what he, he used to call me Skippy or something like that. Um, but I hear it for, for you Lions fans and Jake, would he know JP? No, that was before him. No, way before, before my... his time. Well, one of the biggest voices in the business. Oh, yeah. Was Jay Paul McCulloch. I mean, big voice. Big. And he made the BC Lions sound like the biggest thing. Well, so, they were. 
Well, you know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they're going to get back there, I hope. But mm-hmm. you know that phrase that sticks in everybody's craw in the CFL across the CFL is that Canada's team phrase. Yes. Remember, for the Rough Riders. Do you want to know where that came from? Was that from Jay? Yeah, it was 2001. And Steve Barato was the head coach of the Lions. Oh, wow. And Those we were out at I the, remember. Right. So it was the day before a game, Riders at Lions, 2001. And we weren't very good at all, the Riders. And the Lions were just coming off winning the Grey Cup. Yeah. So I'm listening to Jay Paul interview Steve Barato for the pregame show. And with that big voice, he goes, well, coach, Coach Barato, your home team in this game today, but you today are the villain because you're welcoming Canada's team to BC Place Stadium. And you will be the villain across Canada because you're taking on the most beloved team, Canada's team, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I'm sitting there listening going, Canada's That's team. not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we're really bad as a team. Our stadium's worse. Um, we weren't drawing flies, but dang it, we're Canada's team. So we, I came home. I don't remember what happened in the game, but we flew home. And I marched into the marketing guy's office of the Riders, and I said, his name's Trent Fraser. I said, TF, I got it. <laughs> Canada's team, a green maple leaf. Who cares if we're crappy because our fans love us and come into the game as an experience? And he goes, we're in. And all of a sudden that went on, all the promotional materials, season ticket packages, the media guide. And it, they you don't hear it as much anymore. No. But the rest of the well, league, oh, my God, did they hate it. <laughs> oh, well, did that, they hate it, which made me love seems, it more. <laughs> that's so wild to me because someone who – I mean, I was alive, but I wasn't remembering things. I wasn't actively – paying attention to have a, a rider team not be drawing people and, and well it was funny have the lions <laughs> have the lions outdraw the the riders to me is something that just doesn't make sense they were probably been... drawing triple oh well, yeah probably drawing triple because i i mean i remember um games at at uh rider field what do they call it um taylor field. taylor field thank you um and it was empty it was like nothing like it was that you remember i mean i took Jake and the family out to a game would have been what 2005 six no 2000 2000 yeah I guess 2007 2006 anyways um one of my best friends is a Ryder fan and he's I've talked to you about this before Rod he's a he lives just outside of Moose Jaw um you can only go to his place at night apparently because it's a secret (laughs) place it's a farm just outside of Moose Jaw. And the only time I've been there is at night. So that's the joke the kids had is we can only go to Trent's place at night because that's just the way it is. <laughs> Anyways, we you never went, knew how to get in there during the day. We went to a game and I still to this day, Jake, would you not say that was one of the best games we've ever been to? Yeah. It was the so atmosphere, much fun. The atmosphere, I mean, the fact that the Lions ended up winning and we got an entire row of Ryder fans to clap along for a Lions chant was <laughs> probably the near the top. But uh, <laughs> last week, we t- I think we t- talked about it on the show last week about getting CFL players to sign stuff. And because we were in the, uh, I think it, w- it was Taylor Field still. It was Taylor Field, and, yes. Um, we were walking out. We decided to delay a little bit to avoid any possible confrontations because some people are, like to, are uh, rational talk- fans. Uh, well, and not just that, but also I feel like you you had had a few uh, adult pops. Maybe. And um, we didn't want to get into a fight. We ended up sitting out in front of Taylor Field for about an hour, maybe two. 
with all of the BC Lions, having conversations with them, throwing the football around with them. It and was who, so cool. Who, who did um, we? Who was the first, one of the first people we talked to? Dave Dickinson. And then, uh, G. Roy Simon. And Rod, did I not tell this story to G. Roy just last Saturday when Rod and I went up to the <laughs> to Edmonton to the uh, CFL Combine, and I got the pleasure of meeting Mister G. Roy Simon. Who I still I still laugh that G. Roy Simon shook my hand and introduced himself like I had no idea who he was. And I said it to Rod when we when he was done, I'm like, he acted like I wouldn't know who he was. <laughs> but Rod, you're a good friend with G. Roy. Yeah, he uh I hated him when he was a lion. <laughs> Understandably. Um, <laughs> there was a game, I think it was the last game of 2004. Uh, and you guys, as ardent, I, I'm impressed by your Lions memory. Uh, we might remember this game. Spurgeon Wynn was the quarterback for BC, and first, first, second place was on the line, and the winner would host the semifinal. And we had him with a minute to go. We were up three or four points, and 55,000 people are there. I remember walking into BC Place that day going, Holy smokes, for a regular season game. I'm like, If this is what the NFL's like, yeah, sign me up. And last play of the game, Spurgeon win hits G-Roy in a 55-yard bomb touchdown. They win the game, and we're going on the road for, I guess it would have been the West Final in 2004, um, which was the infamous Paul McCallum miss and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, I, I, I never – listen, you hate players, but you don't know them. Yeah, of no. course. Whether you're a fan or even what I do. So when we got him in Saskatchewan, uh, um, we became fast friends and – just the way G. Roy has always carried himself, he's just a pro's pro, right? And from day one, we connected, and um, that was 2013, the year we were hosting the Grey Cup. Yes. And um, G. Roy wasn't being used a whole lot in the Ryder offense that year, and that was really just that was upsetting a lot of people, most notably G. Roy. And, in, but, and myself included watching. Yeah, yeah, but his veteranship, if you will, would be counted on because in August, August 18th, 2013, it was a huge bar brawl at a, at a bar <laughs> in downtown Regina, Dudney Avenue, four rough riders ended up getting charged. Gearway wasn't one of them. Oh, wow. But it was, it was, it was a really big incident in rider history and it fractured the locker room because half the team didn't want these guys that were charged to ever play again. Half the team did because they were some of our best players. Oh, wow. And Corey Chamberlain, our head coach couldn't, didn't, he couldn't bridge the gap. Wow. So he leaned on G-Roy and he said, would you mind bringing this room together? Oh, wow. And G-Roy did. That's awesome. And, and we went on a four-game winning streak after that and uh, went into the Grey Cup game. And then I didn't know of all the Grey Cups, G-Roy's won. He'd never caught a touchdown pass in a Grey Cup game, no. but he caught two in 2013 uh, against uh, Hamilton. And then Kevin knows the story, but uh, I think did G-Roy spend one more year with us or maybe that was his last year, but he sent me a text message when he was leaving town yes. for the last time, how much our friendship meant to him. And he said, you do things for that team that nobody sees, but I see. And I want to tell you, I appreciate it. So that's, awesome. that's so yeah, cool. That's just the kind of guy he is. He's an encourager. Yes. You know, and that's why I knew he would either get into coaching or management. And that's what he's doing now. I don't think it was a big surprise when um, everybody to anybody that followed G Roy's career that he ended up coaching. Cause he's such a, I mean, he was such a uh, master of his position. Um, well, I'll say he's not coaching though. He's in personnel, so he's scouting. He's not actively. Oh, I thought he was. 
Uh, for some reason, why did I think he was receivers coach or something? He no, was. Just, no. Yeah, he was assistant uh, to a Wally when he was in BC for a little bit. Oh, really? And okay. Now he's he's with the Elks now. If I am yes, correct. he is. He's the assistant GM. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. Um, you were on the road a lot uh, during your CFL career, obviously. Um. I was going to go back. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of a story you told me, but I don't know. If, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Let's go back to when <laughs> you were actually calling um, the Pats games. And because back then you rode the bus with the team. Mm-hmm. That must have been interesting at times. <laughs> it was, it's, the, it's the epitome of, um, like I say, raising a family. It was fun once. <laughs> but I, I see these guys now that are still doing it. And God bless them because they love it so much. But I could never go back. I oh. mean, I could tell you a million stories. Like, I hate, hate, hate driving in the mountains. Whether it's on a bus or if I'm driving, I hate it. Oh, really? And I remember one time way back, 95, 93 or 94, I was with the PA Raiders. And we were coming out of Kamloops one night. And it was black ice on the cliff of the mountain. And the bus driver's like, I'm done. He's he just parked the bus, turned off the lights. And as I recall, the bus started sliding across the road. It was that icy and stormy. And we we're all just riddled. And everybody's like, get to one side of the bus. And it came to rest against a guard rail. And I'm just, I don't even know why I didn't quit on the spot. And I look at these guys that are in that West Conference, going from Prince George to Portland and back everywhere in between. I mean, it, it was fun for sure um being with your buddies and stuff but to be honest just as i got older and when my kids were the same age as the players and i had three girls and these were all boys and or they were talking about dating my buddy's daughters i'm like (laughs) that became not so fun anymore yeah and they're popping zits and stuff and i'm like you know it it was fun but i'm kind of over this yeah, I, uh, I can understand so, that. And I just, I also remember coming out of Prince George one night, you know, those windy roads. We played the oh, game, yeah. and we were going to bus home. I think it was at least 16 hours home. And for the first time ever, I'm up, I'm going to lay in the aisle of the bus here between the seats. I laid down a <laughs> sleeping bag and a pillow, and they're eating pizza at the front of the bus, handing pizza around, and this pizza spot right on my face <laughs> as I'm laying on the ground. And I'm like, I'm not why do doing I, this. Why do I do this? But I did it for many, many years after that. But that's not, and I mean it's not glamorous. People forget that these juniors they um they don't play in the summertime. They're playing in the wintertime and they're driving that bus or riding that bus through some of the worst freaking roads to drive in the wintertime. Yeah. And it's interesting because we did a lot of it before cell phones. Now they have Wi-Fi on the bus. Oh, yeah. All the connection and everything. So it's a lot more comfortable. A little bit more spoiled. We we actually talked. Well, now they are. But back then, we actually talked to each other. We played cards. We learned how to add. Go figure it. Yeah, well, and as a a play-by-play guy, I would assume that'd be super helpful because you're building these relationships with players. And after a game, you might talk about something that you can use on the air as well. Nowadays, I, I find there's not a lot of that, even in the NHL level, where they're talking um, and they're like, oh, had a conversation with this guy, unless it's an organized media session. Yeah, they don't talk much. Well, there's a couple stories on that. And I, um, like Jordan Everly is one of my closest friends now with the Seattle Kraken, but I'll never forget. He was always so smart and ahead of the game and so mature. And one time we were coming out of Brandon. We played in Brandon. 
and he's got his BlackBerry out, and he stops on my seat, uh, by my seat, because RodPeterson.com, my website, I've been running since 2006, and it's been a very popular website. And Everly stops, and he's pointing at his phone. And I said, what? He goes, you didn't up- update your website. You didn't have my two goals and an assist on there. <laughs> and I'm like, you little but I, but I realized, I actually thanked him after that because I realized I'm not leaving the booth ever until I update my website with the game story because the fans were able to write in and stuff. So Jordan actually helped me with that. But yeah, that was the one story. And, you know, fast forward to now, you talk about traveling and getting to know the players. Driving around Calgary today, I was listening to the Blue Jays game on Fan 960, and the announcers are in a booth in Toronto, and the game's in St. Louis. Oh, really? Like, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, they're not traveling. The Flames announcers don't travel. That's just and weird like, to me. Well, I'm like, this sounds terrible. Yeah. I, I listened to the same broadcast a little bit today, and they sounded disengaged. I didn't realize they were in Toronto and not in um, St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, yeah. that's the radio that guys. The TV guys were, like, I was watching Sportsnet. They were at the at the ballpark, I believe. Yeah, they were, but the radio guys don't travel. So That's really my weird. point is, it's a, it's a lot different business, and the teams don't really, uh, they don't really want you to become friends with the players anymore. Yeah, at least that's been my experience. Well, it's such a different, um, different sport now compared to what it was when Rod and I were f- huge fans of the NHL because we're close to the same age. I can say that, even though there's eight years difference. Um, <laughs> it's a different game than what it was. It's Players are more business people rather than hockey players. Yep. A perfect inst- a perfect example is from your favorite team. What do you call them? God's team. Who? God's oh, team. Pats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever he mentions the Regina Pats on the Rod Peterson show, which airs 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., Pacific time. That's where most of our viewers are tuning in from. You can um, figure it out at whatever time zone you're in. Whenever Rod mentions the Regina Pats, it's God's team. Where does that come from, by the way? I've never asked you that. Just to annoy people. Um, (laughs) It's like Canada's team. It's exactly what it is. And what's funny about that is that we have a regular viewer in Toronto, Craig Campbell. He's the executive director of the Hockey Hall of Fame Museum. And I've had the fortune, good fortune, to meet him but he found our show through 3downnation.com, an article they wrote about us. Nice. And Craig says, he goes, I just love how much you love that team. <laughs> and I said, that, that is my team. And to be honest, I, to be honest, I give you guys a lot of hell about your craziness and who you cheer for, but I respect <laughs> it. And one thing that these marketers in sports now don't understand is you become a fan of your team when? When you're a child. Oh, heck yes. And, and you don't lose that. So for me, um, you know, leaving Regina and spending half my time in Florida and almost half my time in Calgary, there's a lot of fans, Pats fans, are like, where'd you go? You're our guy. <laughs> nice. And I'm like, I've been watching the Pats since 1980 when I was seven years old. Wow. That's 43 years. Exactly. Okay? It's time. It's, a, it's the next generation's time. Well, Doesn't mean I don't follow them and I wear my Pats gear and I still love them and I always yep. check the scores, but I don't need to be at every game. I've 
Well, people say the same thing with me. How did you become a Vancouver fan? And I'm like, well, I was six years old when Vancouver joined the league. It's been 52 years. Of course I'm a Vancouver fan. Jake was born a Vancouver fan. I was going to say, there was no way you could get me to change teams when we moved out to Alberta. It was the... That was one of the biggest contentions I had. <laughs> Didn't care about leaving my friends. It was, well, I don't have to be a Stamps and a Flames fan, do I? <laughs> okay, let me tell the real fan. story here. How old were you, Jake, <laughs> when we moved to Oh, Calgary? grade three, so end of grade three, so... Eight, nine? I don't he, know, math. We're getting, we're packing the house up. We're getting ready to move. And Jake has a meltdown. When I say a meltdown, like he literally came <laughs> into the room and he's bawling. And I'm like, dude, what's wrong? He goes... <laughs> When we move to Calgary, do I have to cheer for the Flames? <laughs> that was his biggest concern. Yes, I made him an irrational fan as well, Rod. Well, he didn't have a choice. He didn't have a, he didn't have an option. So, well, and uh, I mean, I'm an irrational fan to the core. I see a little jersey peeking over your shoulder there, old man. Yeah, yeah hide that jersey. <laughs> there is the Flames oh. jersey there. I'm a Flames fan. I, I've never denied that. I mean, since we moved here, uh, when the Canucks are out and I put my Flames hat on, Jake didn't talk to me for about two weeks without one year. <laughs> it was like, oops. So that was two, 2004, the year the Flames yeah. should have yeah. uh, scored a goal that would have changed the um, outcome of the Stanley Cup or could have changed the outcome for the Stanley Cup. Ex yes. Round round uh, one. Was it round one? Forward. Overtime in games, I want to say six. It might have been God, game seven. His memory is and just phenomenal. We were sitting there watching, and we lost. And I devastated. I was, what? Uh, 10, 11. 11. Yeah. And this guy whips off his Canucks hat in frustration, reaches behind him that he where he planted a <laughs> uh, Flames cap, threw it on his head right away. He was working on the road at the time, so we only saw him on the weekends most of the time. Yeah. He would come home. I wouldn't talk to him for probably two, two or three weeks. Two weeks. It was good two yeah. weeks. It was quite, it was funny. Anyway, back to the Regina Pats. I don't know how we ended up on Squirrel <laughs> or Irrational Rod, Fans. Or in Rod's case, Raccoon. Um, yeah. <laughs> you had the opportunity many years ago um, before. Connor Bedard became a household name across Canada. You had an opportunity to interview Mr. Bedard at a very, how old was he when you interviewed him the first 14. time? 14. How did they know that someone's going to be that big of a star at 14? Like, was he that good? Oh yeah. He was um, designated an exceptional player first player ever in the history of the WHL to get that tab in, in the East, they've had it. Um, McDavid had it. Okay. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Tavares has had it Aaron Ekblad, but Bedard was the first in the West. And I don't really know how they do it. I think hockey Canada was involved. Um, and they know their hockey, you know, they take a lot of flack, but they know their hockey. Know their so hockey. does the WHL. So they knew his skills. I guess they put him through a battery of interviews to find out his maturity level. And he passed all those tests. And they're like, this is the first exceptional player. And by the way, they didn't screw it up, did they? No. <laughs> they had it right. They had it right. I actually um, didn't really know who Bedard was, to be honest. Um, probably till I started watching your show, to be to be honest. And you brought you you were 
At that point, I think you were fed up with people talking about Bedard every, every day on your show or commenting. Um, if you want to watch Rod's show, you uh, it's very interactive, I'll say. It's one of the most, it's my favorite show to watch um, by far. Mine too, thank you. Is it is it your favorite show? Yeah. Cool. Um, but people comment and people were constantly com- commenting about Bedard and Rod was like, enough with Connor Bedard. <laughs> um Really, I got to really see him play, obviously, in the World Juniors um, this last year. I actually feel sorry for the kid. And I say a kid. He's What is he, 17 now? Yeah. 17. The the pressure that's got to be on that kid day in and day out, um, and his family, has to be crazy. I don't feel sorry for that. I felt sorry for him when he got the exceptional player tag uh, and went number one overall. Because he was 14. So I, he lost, to me, his childhood. He lost his innocence. He lost his privacy. My goodness. That, because I've seen it from the inside. You should be allowed to be a teenage boy, and he's not. That's what I felt sorry for. Yeah. The pressure, I'm not too worried about that, and I'll explain why in a second. Yeah. But when he was coming to Regina, I was, I was doing the Pats games on television, and I was referring to him as the holy child and the next one. and. <laughs> I had NHL scouts saying, maybe pump the brakes a little bit. And I said, no, I think he can do it. In his very first game at 15, playing against guys as old as 20, he scored two goals. He never slowed down. He, ever, he led the league in scoring at 15, boys. That's insane. And then, and then he you know, went to the World Juniors, set all the records. He just keeps ding, 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 answering the bell all the time. But I kind of get it because in what I do, everybody thinks I, I was never for one second nervous to go on the radio, go on television. Um, I broadcast the World Juniors on the Sportsnet Radio Network, 27 stations across the country. I've called four great cups. Um, now on national television, I've never been nervous for a millisecond because it was what I was born to do, and it's what Connor was born to do. That does not – that's not pressure. Um, pressure is feeding a family of five. Pressure is not having enough money at the end of the month to pay your bills. You know, and to be honest, pressure is going in to do an intervention with a meth addict that is crawling out of his oh. skin, scratching his skin. That's pressure. That's pressure. And that brings up, you know, that's a great transition, Rod, because I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's an important, huge part of your story. Um, for the people that don't know, um, let's delve into that a little bit. Um, you, you've, had, you've had your ups and downs through your, your career and in the public eye, I might add. Yeah. Well, I'm eight years sober. Very cool. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And my dad was a recovering alcoholic. He quit drinking when he was two. Or sorry, when I was two. <laughs> when he was yeah, two. It would be easy. He quit drinking milk when he was two. No. When I was two, he quit. So I never saw him drank, uh, drink, but he always let me know that I would be predisposed to it. And boy, was I ever. I mean, it was bad, bad, bad. Um, as a, you know, As our good friend Jack Fulton, who one of our regular viewers of the RP show, I think he's watching now. It's his turn. We smelt the devil's breath. Wow. You know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, there's the down times. But getting sober every day since has been great. And now working to help others get out of that hole, is that's the thing that I enjoy the most. Now, you've been sober eight years. Um, at what point did you decide, you know what, I, I'm going to, I need to put my name out there and help others uh, become sober as well? I didn't make that decision. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, my counselor told me that I should. 
And I was like, I don't know. I got my hands full quitting drinking. That wasn't easy, let alone going public with it. But he goes, I think it would make a difference if you did. Um, But the thing is, Kevin, that you and I have never talked about was I was nine months sober when that became (laughs) literally national news. And my dad said to me when he was alive at the time, he goes, do you think when you stop drinking and it's national news, you might have drank too much? (laughs) (laughs) My dad said that. That's just the relationship we had. I'm like, yes, dad. Might have been. Might have been. But but what I wasn't prepared for was, when I say national news, uh, it was on national CBC radio. A lot of newspapers picked it up. It was national news. Yeah, I had people reaching out to me for help. That clearly I didn't know they were strangers, but it wasn't just with alcohol or even drugs, which I never touched drugs. My mom once asked me at a Thanksgiving supper, all our families there, extended family, in front of, did you do drugs? And I'm like, no, mom. <laughs> if I had, I wouldn't be sitting here today. It would have killed me. Alcohol was um, alcohol was enough for you. It did enough. But I had people coming to me with <laughs> the widest range of mental health issues and abuse victims. And I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah. But they just kept coming and they just kept coming and they just kept coming. And then my mentors, I call them the titans of the recovery industry, just steered me to the right places to get the training to help these people. Because I was literally like, I had people sitting in front of me shaking, like shaking, cowering, not knowing what to do. I'm like, how can I say no to these people? Yeah. I just, like, I have to help them. I don't really know how, but I have so I to. Went and got that, yeah, I have to. I went and got that education, and uh, that's something I still do. And uh, the name of that part of your business is called, I forget it, sorry. No, it's Peterson Recovery. Peterson, I was how like, did, Rod How'd you come Reco- up with that, Rod? I was like, Rod Recovery? Peterson Recovery. How'd uh, <laughs> you come up with that? But through that um, whole time, um, that people were coming to you and you kind of glossed over it and I'm not going to let you because I think this is an important story people should know is the Broncos uh, bus crash. Um, mm-hmm. you, um, you were there for a lot of people during that. And again, I don't know why. Um, Do you want me to put my other hat on? No. <laughs> okay. No, you can. I mean, I don't. What are you going to say? It's the way it was meant to be. It was meant to know. be. Yeah. See, we've talked about that before. Well, this, this one coach, uh, two days after the crash, my phone rang and it was, it came up as Humboldt, Saskatchewan on my phone and I didn't know, know the number. So I answered it and it was this coach, Chris Beaudry. And I was like, Chris, I thought you died. And he goes, I wasn't on the bus because wow. I was driving on my own. Yeah. And, um, and he goes, I need to get out of Humboldt. Can I come down and stay with you? Can I come down and visit you? I said, yes, you can. And then we worked pretty intensely together for a couple of years after that. And then other, uh, victims, families, survivors and their families. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I actually was talking about that in a presentation I gave on Tuesday and I broke down considerably. Like I lost my composure. I don't know why, because I don't normally when I talk about it, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's an emotional um, topic, obviously. Um, There's a reason I wanted to bring that up, and it's because so many people, um, they think, oh, jocks, jock radio, whatever, whatever it is. I want people to understand who Rod Peterson is, because I got to know Rod Peterson 
um, with my other hat being the Kevin, the medium as Rod gave me that moniker, um, <laughs> watching this show, we met at a spiritual expo. And, um, so I met Rod, not as the, the, um, sports broadcaster, but as just Rod, just Rod, the guy that was at the spiritual expo and we became friends that way. <clears throat> So I want people to understand the, who Rod really is. So I really appreciate you sharing that story, Rod. Thanks for asking. You're more than welcome. So um, we're not going to go into why, because that's a huge story that I don't think we have time and we don't really want to get into it. But um, you leave the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And um, how long after you left the Riders did the Rod Peterson show start? Six months. Was it that quick? Yeah, it didn't feel quick to me. <laughs> um, I had uh, I had quite a few options, like job offers. Yeah. Um, but the separation from the riders was traumatic in itself, and I had a lot to deal with there. Right. And um, my lawyer, who since retired, but at the time he was like my surrogate dad, and he just said, are these just a job? Are these your dream job, or are they just a job? Yeah. And I said, it would be just a job. And he goes, then just sit tight. Something will come up. And uh, Darren, my co-host of the show and also owner of the show, as you know, Kevin, he, yep. he pitched me this. And it took a while for me to even decide if I wanted to do that. I didn't have financially. I didn't have to. I still don't have to. Yeah. But I, he just, it seemed like a fun, intriguing thing. Um, but let's like when I started doing my radio talk show, I didn't know what I was doing. They just threw me in the booth and said, go. So what we didn't talk about was Rod had a radio show on what was, what station was it? CKRM. So, and besides calling all the riders game, it was a daily sports talk show you held called the cage. Was that, is that the right name? Sports cage. The sports, sports cage. cage. So this is a new, this is old hat to you then. It's the concepts are the same, but listen, dude, you can sit and we're not going to get deep here, but in the concept of just facing your fears, oh, um, yeah. I said to Darren, what are we going to talk about? And it was, by the way, on Facebook. That was the sole <laughs> broadcast vessel. Facebook. And what year was this? 2019. Not long yeah. ago. So 970 episodes. Ago. So <laughs> I just said, what are we going to talk about? He goes, well, the sports topics of the day. And I said, dude. I know one team, one, <laughs> one, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I'm not following Major League Baseball. I've kind of drifted away from the NHL. I don't know. I, I'm not following it. I'm not up on it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you'll figure it out. And <laughs> as, as CFL fans, you guys, you guys would understand this. Um, we did a lot more, well, 98% CFL talk at the start, but we would bring on guys like John Chick, who was a Rough Rider legend, but I was like, we realized really quickly he played in Hamilton and Edmonton too. Fans of those teams started to tune in. Oh, of course. You know, or we would bring on Kevin Glenn. I would think, I think we were on the air two weeks at the most. And Kevin goes, Rod, I want to announce my retirement on your show. Oh, get out. Like, yeah, Kevin, we were really, really, really close. Oh, like that's I awesome. called him, I called him blue streak. That was his nickname across the CFL. Cause I thought he looked like Martin Lawrence. Hey, blue streak. He loved it. Oh, everybody has a nickname with Rod. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. We got to get one for Jake. Yeah, Jake the Snake doesn't cut it. It'll be something else. That's but, what. That's what he was named after. So we can't do that. Oh uh, yeah. But Kevin comes on, announces his retirement live. He was in Detroit. Boom! 
it affects nine markets because he played for every team. Well, yeah. And and to be honest, TSN, they get banged on a lot, especially by CFL fans for not covering more. But I ha- have nothing but love for TSN because we were only two weeks old. And they're like, Kevin Glenn announces on the Rod Peterson show, his retirement. Wow. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you guys didn't need to do that. And most broadcast outlets wouldn't. No. They would just say but, he announced he announced his retirement, period. Yeah. And that kind of put us on the map in a lot of ways, too. That's very cool. Yeah. So it was just through lifelong friendships. And uh, at Grey Cup this year, Matt Dunnigan was on my show. And I don't know if I told you this, Kevin, but we talked off the air. And, and Matt goes, you're killing it, eh? And I said, it's going well. It's going having well. fun. Yeah. And Maddie goes, everything you've put out in your life is coming back now. Oh. He goes, just sit Ooh. back and enjoy. I just got the tingles too. That's from Matt Dunnigan. That's Matt freaking Dunnigan. Oh. Yeah. And and Jake, this happens like every day I talk to Rod is he'll just like talk about a name. Like he's not name dropping. It's just, oh yeah, I was sitting with Matt Dunnigan and blah, 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 blah. No. <laughs> I mean, the first, the first time I met Rod was that Grey Cup we were watching it no, at your place. It was um, the semifinal when he called semifinal. us irrational fans. Yes. But... <laughs> He, Rod just talking and was like, oh yeah, my, uh, like, uh, Tad, Tad Cornegay moving on. I was like, oh yeah, just Tad Cornegay. Like, <laughs> no big deal. That's awesome. Well, you know, it's funny. I was sitting at a U.S. Thanksgiving at a friend's house in Parkland, a new friend in Parkland, Florida. And Ethan is his name. He's a banker. And he, I just met him. And he was like, so let me get this straight. You're from a farm in Canada. 600 people. I said, yeah, I grew up talking to cows every day because there was no people around. <laughs> and he goes, but you're close friends with Mark Trestman? And, and, his, and his wife's he- he- neck snapped around. She's like, the, the old Bears coach, Chicago Bears? I said, he's one of my closest friends. He's like, how the hell did that happen? And I'm like, I don't really know. <laughs> well, it's yeah. funny because since I... Um kind of joined the Rod Peterson show uh, in behind the scenes in the sales. I I was telling Jake, I still pinch myself because my phone rings. I look down, it's Arlan Bruce. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, pinch. How's that for you? Pinch. <laughs> I was talking to my older brother, Mike. I hope you're watching, Mike. And I was telling him this and he's just laughing. And I, I'm literally laughing. And as you know, Rod, when I start laughing, I cough and I go into a coughing fit. And I do this every single time because it, as a fan of the CFL, as long as I have been, um, I don't remember not being a fan of the CFL. It's just, it's so surreal for me. So it's, it's cool. And I understand what that guy's saying. So six months after you leave the Riders, you start this show and... Um, you were still in Regina at that time, I take it. You were living mm-hmm. in Regina. When did you move? Like, you now live down in Florida, in Boca Raton. I love saying that. Boca Raton. Boca Raton. Raton. So, oh, I don't even <laughs> say it a, right. You can get a tan in Boca Raton. But uh, <laughs> I don't remember just this week where, where the heck I was. Somebody here in Calgary asked me, about they're like Boca Raton. Where's Bo- nobody's ever heard of Boca Raton? No. And I said it's twelve miles north of Fort Lauderdale, yeah. which twelve miles isn't very far. It's more distance be- where we are right now. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. About a year ago. Very cool. About a year ago. 
still doing the show um, and still concentrating. The show concentrates, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's NHL, CFL. NFL's NHL, CFL, but some NFL. I mean, I had a, a guy I referred to on the show, a hotelier. Hotel magnate, guy, a friend of mine by the name of Jeff Pearson, and he just goes, I, he's in Esteban, Saskatchewan, and he goes, I just love when you bring on Tori Gurley and Jim Lang. He goes, I love, 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 love the NFL talk. So that's something I don't want to get into here because we don't have time. Maybe next time when I come back, but how the NFL has supplanted the CFL. Oh, this country it's not right but it's happened man and you can't stop an avalanche once it starts i don't think you guys are bc boys but i want to say something about tory Gurley. um god shots i'd never met tory and right around the time we were starting this show the rod peterson show i was like i don't know i'm kind of over this business because as kevin knows i've had a rough ride and my phone rang and i think it was 314 area code and I'm like, Columbia, South Carolina. Well, I don't know. It's got to be a spam call. I'm like, ah, I'll answer it. I got nothing else to do. He's like, is this Rod Peterson? I'm like, yeah. Tory Gurley. I'm like. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of those moments. No. <laughs> but I did that day. I said, Tory Gurley, the, the former Green Bay Packer, Cleveland Brown. He's like, yeah. I said, how did you get my number? Why are you calling me? And he goes, because I, what I knew of Tory Gurley also is he played for the Argos, and he got cut on the on one one day along with Vidal Hazelton and Kevin Elliott by the Argos. Their three best receivers got cut. If you guys remember that day, and it was a big deal, and the Argos made them all out to be bad guys. So I thought Tory must be a bad guy. Yeah. Maybe guy must have got in trouble, and they cut cut their ass, and I don't want to know why. Well, Tory goes, I'm sitting here in Columbia, South Carolina. I want to get into broadcasting. <laughs> And my girlfriend says, you're the guy to talk to. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, who's your girlfriend? And he goes, her name's Kim. Um, I'm blanking on her last name. But he goes, she's from Strasburg, Saskatchewan. And she used to work at a, in a Tony Romas there. And did you used to do a TV show there on the Rough Riders? And the, and the players would come down and you'd interview them in the Tony Romas? I'm like, somebody was watching? <laughs> That and was your two guests you had at the time, or your two I viewers. I swear, that was the conversation. It was on province-wide television called In the Huddle, and uh, Tori goes, yeah, 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 Kim, was she was serving. She served you. And she said, you're the man. You know all the ins and outs of broadcasting, and you've done it all, and you tell me. And I'm like, well, Tori, I'm, I've, I've looked you up since we've said, you've been on NFL Network and ESPN and you know the SEC Network. Like, what, what? And he goes, well, I, just, I need some advice on what to do. And we talked for about three hours and we've stayed really close friends since. And uh, he's actually now working in football and personnel. He could be a broadcaster if he wanted to be. He could do anything he wanted. Kimberly Hubick. Kim Hubick is her name. And um, (laughs) I'm glad that came out now, not in the middle of the night, waking up at three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that was to me a God shock because I was literally about to uh, just give up on the business. Wasn't sure if I wanted to do it anymore. Well, yeah. And then I realized, well, maybe we are having an impact. And to be honest, now all these digital shows across North America, we're viewed as the first because it was long before COVID. Yeah. 
You know, so I had a lot of broadcasters that a lot, in a lot of cases lost their jobs from TSN, whether it be TV or radio. You guys know in Vancouver, TSN 1040. I remember the day. They put, a, they put a bullet in that. And those guys all called me. How do we get set up doing this? And they're doing really well. Nice. So that's a real, real feather in the cap. Ellen Lai um, is watching. And Lee, Lee. Lee. Sorry, Ellen Lee. He says, enjoying the show, Tori Gurley makes a mean barbecue. Well, there's a story there. Uh, what a day, what a day that was. He was can in we, Can we talk Kim. about it on air? Oh, no, it wasn't bad at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know those days when everything hits at once, everything's coming at you? Yep. Um, Tori was, they were home. They were coming back to meet see Kim's family. And Tori says, Rod, I'm coming to the studio. And I'm going to do a big old southern barbecue for all your staff and i said uh great but then i had you've heard me refer to my friend um why am i blanking tonight i don't usually do these at night that's why i do a show yeah. in the morning um <laughs> i call him my my alan keller sober consultant from saskatoon yes he called me out of the blue rod i'm gonna come by the studio i'm in regina doing a talk i want to come by the studio i'm like <laughs> sure sure and then <laughs> And then I had to run, do an errand. I came, went to come back. I drive a 1975 antique Jeep and about a half a mile, maybe a mile from the studio coming back, it dies on the side of the road. <laughs> so I got Tori cooking a barbecue. Um, Alan's there waiting for me. All our staff's there and I'm on the side of the road <laughs> taking the Gangle Express to come to the studio. So that was a very stressful day. Okay, I have an issue with the fact that you called the 1975 an antique. <laughs> well... Well, it is. Actually, it is. Exactly. I guess it is. My first car was a 74 Dodge Dart. So I guess that one. It has be. antique plates on it. So oh, I, I it? have to call it an antique. To, 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 to register for the year, it's like 80 bucks. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> nice. Um, so that leads me into the, you just know what I'm going to go to next. It's awesome. No, I don't. Yeah, you did. Um, because we're, we're, I can't believe the hour is coming like right up here. Um, we're good. We, um, if you were to give advice um, to to rookies um, starting this, I think with this, what is this, Jake? Thirteen episode thirteen, twelve or thirteen? I think you always are one week ahead. I think this I, is episode twelve. <laughs> I think it's episode twelve. <laughs> Coming from a guy that's done nine hundred and seventy seventy, so thirty away from a thousand. What's the best advice you could give to anybody out there that's doing what we do? What advice would you give them? Make sure you're having fun. Oh, yes. What? That's perfect advice. Have fun. Well, because the moment it becomes not fun. You hate doing why, it. Why would we do anything? That's true. You know, that's it. I mean, it's interesting you say that because you say for this show, because I have a lot of young aspiring broadcasters that say, what advice would you have? <laughs> And I would say the same thing that they said to me when I was that age. Don't do it. Because <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Well, it'll, I, it'll I, look at the, I look at the young kid sitting next to me um, in Calgary there, and that was his dream. His dream yep. was to be a play-by-play announcer or a color, um, whether it be football or hockey. Um, a, is it ever too late to get into the game? And no. B, how, how do you go about it? Well, there's a million different ways, but I mean, I just had a guy on the show Friday, Randy Chevrier. Yes. Uh, former Stampeder and Dallas Cowboy. Yeah. He didn't start playing football till he was 18 and he made it to the NFL. That's insane to me. That's so crazy. 
I think as long as you have the, uh, hey, John Ohm, thank you. He says, this is awesome. Great insights. I appreciate that, John. Thanks, John. Such a great guy. Really great guy, he, man. He is. I Never thinks about himself, that dude. He is always thinking of others and helping others. But, I mean, that's that whole thing about being willing to work for free. I mean, I don't, I'm not the best guy to ask because I was a bit of a child prodigy. It's all I ever wanted to do. And do you think I want to be a sober coach? No, that was not in the cards either. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't want to do that. That just happened. But the broadcasting is all I ever wanted to do. But I have a cousin in BC and she uh, called me a while back and she goes, my nephew wants to do what you do. And I said, oh, what is it about me that he wants to do? Well, he likes that you're floating around on boats in Florida and going to NHL games. <laughs> And I didn't even laugh. Like, I get pissed off. Well, I don't blame you, to be honest, because, like, we've done 12 episodes. Can we float around in a boat, too? <laughs> no. Well, it's not even that. It's just, you. what'd you say, 970 episodes. So yeah. that's, let's add up two hours per show. There's 1,600 hours right there. Um, 20 seasons in the CFL, 20 seasons in the WHL. 10 years of a radio talk show. I tell, like I've got, I think I logged at 15 to 16,000 hours on the air. They wow. say, you know, you need to get 10,000 on the air to be a master of something. And I got almost double that. And I'm like, and you want to go float on a boat with an NFL owner for a Hey, good luck. I'm not going to say you can't, but, but put in the but hours. Nobody, <laughs> nobody sees the backside too. the unbelievable personal sacrifice. Well, yeah. Uh, the things you miss, the pain that it put not me through, but my family through. It's would I do it again? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. We are where we are. But DuPont, we brought him up a couple times. He says everybody wants your life, but oh, yeah. nobody wants to walk through the fire. No, forget that. We talked about that when we were driving back from Edmonton. Everybody looks at the uh, any talk show. Any, you have your two hour show a day and people are like, oh, Rod's got the best job in the world. He goes on the air, he flicks on a mic at five to 10 and he talks until noon and then he's done. I see you and I'm like, yeah, I, I've seen him on meetings right after the uh, show. I've seen his notepad full of notes to go over for the show. It's not just a two hour show. Well, but it's and, an awesome job. It, it is it, awesome. You're right about that. But and people didn't see the five hour bus trips where you're in a in a sleeping bag on the on the ground. Right? <laughs> people always always see the ends. They're like, that's where I want to be, but they don't look at the journey and see how to get there. I think that's the biggest thing as well. Everyone's always like, Oh, this overnight success. No, you didn't see the, the overnight success started 50 years ago. Exactly. Yeah, you're right, Jake. But again, that's not to say that. I do think in a lot of ways, this media business is like having your lottery ticket pulled. Are you going to hit the big time? Yeah. Because not that those guys that are on the air, I'm looking at them right now, aren't any less talented than anybody else, but there's a hell of a lot of talented people that aren't on there. Yep. Isn't there? You know? Yes. I, yeah, I totally agree. And you could go on and on. Mr. Peterson, Peterson, sorry. Um, <laughs> thank you so, so much. Um, 
words can't express how much it means to both Jake and I, and I'm going to speak for Jake, that you took an hour out of your time. And I know nighttime is usually your time where you like to just be by yourself and oh, it's cool. chill. Um, so, man, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Same to you guys. Yeah. And promise me you won't ever lose your zest for being part of our show and your zest for doing this, this show, because uh, that's what it's all about. You know what, dude? Um, I can say this. I can say this on the air. I don't care. It's been really three days, full days that I've been working with the DuPont Media, who, who has, who owns the uh, Rod Peterson show. It's been such a freaking blast. The three days I literally sit in my office and I, I start giggling to myself because I'm having so much fun. It's um, good. It's just. <laughs> What other job can I do? Sit here and watch a YouTube show for two hours while I'm working <laughs> and go, I'm actually working for that guy. It's cool. Um, yeah. So thank you. Um, nobody understands um, the connection you and I have and how quickly that connection happened for us. So um, one day. Another, un- another unexplained phenomenon. One day I will understand it because I don't understand it. We just clicked. It was. I'll never forget it. We exchanged phone numbers at that expo and I drove home from Canmore and I remember phoning Jake. And he called me in a, in a frenzy. <laughs> telling if Jake. I told you the name, if I told you the name Rod Peterson, does that ring a bell? And like vaguely, like a, in the CFO world. And he was like, yeah, I used to call Saskatchewan games. Yeah, I met him. We're friends now. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I get home and you texted me and there we go. It went from there. Very cool. I love that. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah. I love that Thank Under you so Armour much. hoodie, by the way. That's uh, that's a nice hoodie. Twenty three dollars on sale across Iron Mills. Go get them before they're gone. <laughs> I'm cheap. I told you, I'm cheap. No, I said it. You're frugal. You're not cheap, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Jake. You can close it for us. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out tonight. Special thanks to Rod for uh, coming out with us. Um, please do go follow Rod on Twitter. Uh, our Rod Peterson Show uh, at Rod Peterson. As well as you can catch him Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific time on YouTube at The Rod Peterson Show. And on on Game Plus Network. Thank you for that because I was going to ask what network it was and I didn't remember. Um, (laughs) And all your your podcast locations as well. Yes. And anywhere you are listening to this right now, you can go follow The Rod Peterson Show. Please do hit that like button, hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Tell us what we're doing great. We're on Facebook at hsp pod as well as on twitter and instagram at hsp underscore pod uh please do check us out we are affiliated with inside the rink so please do check it out we have uh, a couple articles up this week uh, another one coming probably monday um and we should have an article up tomorrow talking about the bc lions and the cfl as a whole jake is rocking on the article so good job buddy thank you we and will see everybody next thursday see you guys next thursday